to Net Zero Future. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Adrian. Hi, Claudia. It's great to be on your Net Zero Future series again. In this episode, we're talking to Georges Bock, founder and CEO at Moneyflow. That's right. Today, we get to dive into an application of sustainable finance. Georges Bock is developing an app called Moneyflow that allows pretty much anyone, even people with not that much money, to invest in an impactful way. You download the app and you get to choose what's important to you in terms of sustainability and desired impact, be it fighting climate change, reducing inequalities, or protecting marine life. Indeed, we had the opportunity to participate in the testing of an unreleased version of the app. Here, our listeners need to know that the app is not yet available to the public. But for us, it was very fun to use it and see how Moneyflow wants to further engage with the wider community when it comes to making impactful investment decisions. All of the offering is structured around investment funds that have an impact score. This score is based on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. What stuck with me was that Josh sees money and investment as a way to shape the future by adopting a bottom-up approach. In other words, if we want a more sustainable world, here's our chance to make that happen and hopefully see a return on the investment over the long term. But now, without further ado, here's our conversation with Josh Bock, founder and CEO at Moneyflow. Welcome, Josh. It's good to have you on Net Zero Future. Hello. So for people who don't know you, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, my name is Josh Bock. I've been working 30 years in uh, more traditional finance with KPMG in Luxembourg. In 2018, I decided to make a break. I wanted to think uh, what I would do the rest of my life, the rest of my career. One thing that I did by then was starting to go to university again a little bit. That was COVID, so it was distance learning. So I uh, made some MIT studies on blockchain technologies. And then I have two, three mandates in nonprofit organizations like UNICEF or Hospital Clowns. And by then I also started to be a member of the Luxembourg Think Tank on sustainability from the Luxembourg government. I'm on the board of some tech companies. And then two years ago, I started a company developing Moneyflow. And Moneyflow is a marketplace for values-based investors. Georges, before we talk about the latest experience of yours, so you said you studied blockchain recently, you have been involved in fintechs and so forth, but you know, let's not discount all the experience that you had at KPMG because you spent a considerable amount of time at that company. And at some point, you were managing partner of this firm. So... I'm interested in understanding what were your key lessons from this experience at this big four company? Well, if I look back a little bit, uh, it um, allowed me to have a very international experience. I was part of different kind of groups within the KPMG Worldwide Organization. Something that meant a lot of me because I love to deal with people. I was really blessed with working with a lot of talented young people and I also had the opportunity to reinvent myself several times. As you have mentioned, from a short period as financial auditor, I went over to quite some years in advisory and then later on became managing partner. So was leading the entire firm and had the opportunity to drive it up from 900 persons when I started to 1,700 when I finished my mandate. It also allowed me to interact uh, with uh, policymakers on, on the level of the EU or Luxembourg and really to try to achieve progress in, in the Luxembourg ecosystem. 
That's amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just run, running a firm like KPMG is a very amazing challenge to, to be on. Fast forward then to what you've been doing recently. So Moneyflow or Investoria, that's the company that's setting up this initiative. What's, what, what was the idea behind this? So why launching this initiative? What's the mission you've been setting yourself in the coming years? A lot of ideas start with a problem. And, and the problem here is that investing is still seen as a privilege for a limited number of people. That's a pity because money is energy to a certain degree. With money, you can influence things. What we had in mind is that it is more important that everybody expresses his voice when it comes to what is happening with his money. The economic system needs a twist. It has to become more sustainable. It has to become more inclusive. And all this to service better the community. At the end of the day, economy is not art for itself. It is helping people to progress in their lives. That brought us a little bit to create money flow and to say, well, there should be a tool that allows everybody to participate in the exercise while building a financial freedom that we all need to do because later on we're going to go in pension for that we need financial reserves. But also we need to understand that we can basically vote for another society with our money. And, and money flow is really the idea of having people contributing to another society or to a society they wish to have. So our uh, objectives is we want to have something which is easy to use because everybody should be able to do it and everybody is able to do it. The second is it should be transparent because as you make choices... You want to make the best possible choices, so it has to be transparent. And when we speak about sustainability, we found out that for a lot of people, this is very personal. It's very individual. Some people think this is very good. The other thing is very good. So you really want to have that choice and decide by yourself. Why is there money flow? Well, money flow is there to empower people to create a better future at the end of the day. That's really what we want to achieve. So I really like this idea you have of democratizing investments, opening up these opportunities for, let's say, middle-income people who so far their traditional choice has been to invest in their own home, but people, young people nowadays are being priced out of that market entirely. So there's definitely a new type of consumer coming along who has money, not enough money for a house, but has money to invest make money themselves, secure their own retirement, like you said, but most importantly, also to shape the future how they want it. So sustainability is, of course, hugely important, especially to the younger generation. We talk a little bit about ESG investing, impact investing, sustainable finance. Can you give us an overview what is meant by these terms and what kind of investment options is money flow providing to consumers? So Claudia, maybe before I go to that, you touched on something which is very close to my heart and something I've learned over all these years. Very often, people forget that the most important rule in investing is long-term. Because it has been proven, if you manage to be in markets like 10 to 15 years, on average, you are going to do 5 to 7%. And very often, people forget that. That is why it is important to start young, because if you put that money on, even if it's not too much, it will double every 10 to 12 years, more or less. So when speaking about being young, having limited resources, it gives you always the feeling I should not start to invest until I have more. 
And I would just really give you the advice, no, start, even if you don't have a lot of reserves, start nevertheless to put some money away and put away on a long-term basis because it really will pay off. So let's speak a, a little bit around your question on sustainability, sustainable criteria. Under the regulation of sustainable investment funds, you have Article 8 ESG compliant funds. So Article 8 is making reference to SFDR regulation. And you have Article 9 funds, so-called impact funds. And the ESG, the Article 8 funds, basically they have the main axis of consideration is risk. So you look whether somebody or some company is harming E, S, or G. E is environment, S is social, and G is government. So that is so it's more like a risk approach, and it's more like does this harm the, the whole thing? And Article 9 requires these companies to create an impact or these funds to create a positive impact. So if you cannot prove that you have made a positive impact, you cannot be Article 9 funds. Now, there, I believe the whole thing gets already too complicated because some investors, when they get the promise, I bought you an ESG Article 8 fund, they think, now I've made a good choice because this is an ESG fund. Well, at the end of the day, these people have made, made no other commitment than report on their risks. But even if my environment risk is one out of 10, it does not mean I have a positive impact. I have just a low risk, but no positive impact, maybe. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, which I find a little bit tricky, is everybody understands E. It gets already a little bit more tricky how social melts in all this. And very often people have no understanding whatsoever when it comes to what means governance and why is governance even important. And that is where, at the end of the day, if you have to explain that to a normal investor, you're going to lose him exactly after five minutes and you need at least 30 minutes to explain all this. A lot of people are going to believe by buying an ESG fund, they have contributed to something. And then when they really look at portfolios, they will be very disappointed. And they will say, this is all greenwashing. Well, we felt that if you speak to normal investors and you start with Article 8, Article 9, as of the eye, you're going to lose them. So you have to find something which speaks to them which directly makes them feel what they are doing. From that perspective, we said, let's take United Nations SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, because it is a recognized vocabulary and it is an international vocabulary. And so we found provider Clarity AI, a company that measures along like 60 matrices on companies measure what is their impact if you take SDGs, climate change, clean water, education, zero poverty. If you take these elements as benchmarks, so how do they benchmark in that matrix? People also feel very strong about things that they do not like. And so we felt what is also important is to have a certain number of exclusion criteria that you could mix up with the goals you wanted to achieve. We allow people then to go along certain exclusion combined with SDGs. You need to present something that speaks to people. You invest along your proper personal beliefs and values.
So I really like what you've done here is you've basically empowered the consumer to make their own choices about what to invest in. And you're using the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, which are really formulated in a way that makes clear what the impact is. So no poverty, quality education, reduced inequalities. So it's definitely a much more appealing or intuitive way to speak to the consumers and then let them make their own choices. So I actually, I really like that about money flow and the fact that you have this really low bar for entry in terms of attracting consumers with not that much money now, but setting them up for the long term. So actually, Adrian, I know you have a question on tokenization. Thanks, Claudia. Josh, you claim on Moneyflow that you will be using tokenization. What's what's tokenization? Why should Moneyflow use this? That's the one thing. And two, is tokenization going to help you prove or trace the sustainable component of the funds that you're promoting? I was interested already in blockchain technologies starting 2012. But funnily enough, I was never driven by the Bitcoin hype, but I was more driven by what can this technology change going forward when we look at our society. And there's one element which I found very interesting in all this is this sharing of confirmation of information. So it's not one party that decides that this record is true, but there is a multiplicity of community that confirms information to be true and shares it on an online basis. And if you look at it, For example, in the World Wide Web, we have today one problem is there's a lot of information. Nobody knows whether the information is true. Blockchain is going to create a World Wide Web with confirmed information and even with information that cannot be changed and information that can be retraced. Now, how can that be used in traditional finance? Well, it can be used in traditional finance if we create a transparent record or worldwide wrap of all the registers of values, meaning who owns a share, who owns a property, when, number one, the whole thing gets more transparent, it gets safer, because once it is registered, nobody can change these records anymore, and you know exactly when the record was generated. So it's also going to be time-stamped. So number one is blockchain technology makes any record, including financial Uh, records, but also, for example, uh, reporting records when it comes to CO2 and similar kind of things, safer and more transparent. So that's really the the first starting point. The second starting point is I see very often that people compare apples and peers. There is a blockchain that is based on proof of work. Proof of work means very complicated calculations have to be done by a lot of computers using a lot of energy. And that's why when it comes to CO2, proof-of-work blockchains are very unpopular, rightly so, because they consume a lot of energy. And of course, Bitcoin is one of them and some others. Then you have blockchains that work on proof-of-stake or consensus protocols. And those generally do not need a lot of calculation powers, but they are based on reputation of the players confirming data and the multiplicity of these confirmations. And there is a study of University of Lund that looked at these kind of elements. And while a Bitcoin mining costs 130,000 times more energy than a normal financial transaction, they benchmarked it on a Visa transaction, which is a normal financial transaction to be done. Blockchain like Stellar, and that is also the blockchain that we use, 
is using only 25% of such an energy. That means if we would even change the entire financial system on blockchain, it would not only become safer, more transparent, faster, but it would become also more sustainable and also cheaper. And I'm going to explain also why cheaper, because if it saves 75% of the energy of a normal transaction, it will be cheaper because energy is an important cost in that. So that's why, in a nutshell, I believe blockchain is going forward is an important element to make the world more sustainable. And of course, we had to choose a blockchain that was sustainable. But then also, what is very important, it lowers cost of operation. As we have said, if it is really low-cost energy and if it is optimized and digitized, it lowers the cost of operation. And if it lowers the cost of operation, it makes access easier for everybody. Because if you have a high fixed cost to invest, you cannot invest. And I give you one example. Claudia has said earlier on, we have maybe as young people, not the same resources as people in their later careers. If I want to make a transaction and I have 25 euros fixed cost, can I invest 500 euros? No. Well, I can, but it, it is quite burdensome. So that's why you need technologies like the blockchain technology in order to make things more accessible. If you use such technologies, you have a better starting point to make an affordable offer. Our offer, for example, right now would be a basic investment account where we do not charge custody fees and where we do not charge transaction fees. I'm actually really heartened by what you said about how you use the blockchain and what kind of blockchain you use. Because normally when I hear blockchain, that of course raises a red flag for me that this is something really energy intensive and not necessarily sustainable. So I'm really glad you found a solution that actually lowers the amount of energy you use and then concurrently also lowers the cost and makes money flow that much more accessible to middle income, lower income or young people. So you talked a bit about how you ensure the security of these transactions, but are you able to verify the impact metrics you use? Or how can you ensure that the funds really do have the impact that you say it has? Yeah, of course. I mean, our monitoring is constant. So you have chosen a fund based on the impact hit that it would have. For example, it says this fund has an 75% hit on underwater protection. So there's one way we report back on our clients is when they look at that portfolio, the first matrix that they see is what is right now my impact reporting? Am I still at 75 the moment when I bought this fund? Or would I be all of a sudden at 35? Because the fund manager has completely changed the policy and now I lowered my impact on what was close to my heart. So this percentage, this benchmark will be reported back to you on your portfolio per fund, but also on an aggregated basis. So you could see on an aggregated basis, what is my impact on the world, which is also very interesting because it allows you also to make a good mix. But also, if you just want to champion in one thing, then you can champion in one thing. Now, that is for us like the minimum benchmark. Now, going forward, of course, we want to do better. And to do better is to have even further quantitative figures to be reported back on what your investment has brought when it comes to sustainable development and sustainable economies. And there, of course, we are a little bit tracked in our journey with the time 
in that sense that only right now the legislator has forced the big companies to make more extensive reporting. And while it will still take some time until we have all that data, but I feel that that is a major progress because in the world and also in companies and everywhere where you are, if you do not measure things, they do not happen. That's reality. So you have to have a constant measure. Now, if you look at the financial system, what was funny, the only measure that we gave to the people is profit. Companies did not report on anything else than profit. That was everything. So no, it's, of course, it's not astonishing that people have as a main matrix right now profit or a return. However, we believe if you give people other matrices, well, they will honor them and they will become more important. And so that's why also when you go to our money flow application and you have already experienced it, we do not start the exercise by return. We start by impact. And the same way when we report back, you have, of course, also your return in one line, but the impact section is by far bigger. And we also want on a constant basis to give the people more and more granular kind of data. But I have to say that goes, of course, hand in hand with the system, the entire ecosystem, building up now this data and make it available to us. But right now we have this minimum reporting, which is their percentage, a percentage hit on the sustainable development goal that they want to achieve and that on an ongoing basis. So there is no possibility to change that on a hidden basis. So you will always see in your portfolios, am I still right or wrong? Am I happy with it? Is it good enough or is there something new going on? You've talked a lot about how you intend to measure the impact and so forth, but also Luxembourg is not known for being a good student in the class when it comes to impact, emissions and so forth. I mean, most people that have listened to our podcast know that it's, it's certainly due to the level of wealth of this country and, and that comes also with this, this actual damage. But in a general context then, Georges, how do you think that, or to what extent, can Luxembourg help you or contribute to your mission over the long term? Because this is important, right? You're working out of Luxembourg. So how do you see this panning out? That is something very interesting. And, and here, let me speak also about some ideas that I also promote in the think tank of the government, which is to say, okay, Luxembourg, for example, is an important fund domicile. And the fund instrument is per se not a bad instrument because it allows a lot of people to participate in the investment cycle without being specialists and being protected by the unique fallout risk of, I invest in one company, it goes bust, my, all my money is gone. If you use investment funds, at least there is somebody that is mixing the whole risks so that all in all, it is something which is acceptable. Now, that is one thing. So I think out of that comes a responsibility. Because as the Lux Luxembourg country and the government earns a lot of money on that, so instead of saying, let's not do that anymore, which I would think is a strange idea, what is more important to say is like, okay, how can I take my responsibility in this game? And my responsibility in this game, for example, could be how can I make sure that more people now can participate? How can I make sure 
that the entire industry consumes less energy? And how can I make sure that this entire industry also drives the public to a more sustainable world? And I think that is really what the moral responsibility of Luxembourg is in this game for sure. So that's one thing. Now, the other thing, of course, is, as I, as I said earlier on, what I believe is what is very important is that everybody now takes this responsibility, not only when it comes to consumption, but also when it comes to where does my money go. It is important to have, nevertheless, a social movement that goes along with it. You want to be part of a tribe and you want to measure together with your tribe what you do to this world. And that's why I also believe that at the end of the day, what is also needed is solid places where people can, if they want, exchange amongst themselves, give themselves experience back. And that is also an ambition that we have with Money Flow. We want people to exchange their experiences because we believe that it creates a momentum which is really completely different. So it should be like a social buy-in in all this. And you participate, you don't participate, you can listen, you can actively contribute. But I believe that this go-together for human beings is very important. And we really hope that by also giving the whole thing an interaction, a social interaction, this would help everybody to motivate, to be motivated to go into the journey and so our ambition is really to make also financial services something pleasant because it is important. Oh, thank you, Josh. I, I have to say I'm very impressed that you left what I'm sure was a very comfortable, cushy job to do something completely new and follow your beliefs and really try to make the world a better place through investments. So just in 30 seconds, can you sum up what is your message to young people or to people new to investments? What do you hope to achieve? My message is financial investment should give you access to financial freedom at the end of the day. That's why it is for. So it is important that you invest and you invest early. Then it is important that you also keep a view on long term. If you really speak about investing, this is not gambling. So you should have a long-term vision if we speak about investing and then be aware that money is like energy. So with money, you make decisions. And we would really urge also then young people to play an active role in this part of making their place a better place going forward. And so really to take this also as an like if you go and vote for something. So reflect on what you do with your money and also this idea, it can be good to you, it can be good to your environment, it can be good to your society. That should be possible and we have to change the system in such a way. Well, thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure to learn more about your journey to this place and of course, to learn more about money flow. Thanks. You're welcome, Claudia. Thank you, Adria. Thanks for listening to the Net Zero Future podcast on Lux Unplugged. Please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com.
We welcome your feedback and ideas for new episodes. See you next time. Thank you.